0: Welcome to Desert City Church's podcast. Thanks for listening in. What you are about to hear is a sermon given live at one of our Sunday gatherings. We are a new church serving neighborhoods on the edge of North Phoenix and Scottsdale, Arizona. Our sermons are ongoing conversations around a sacred text or scripture in which we find the story of Jesus. We hope they inspire you to love God and others more. If we can serve you in any way or answer any questions about our community, please don't hesitate to ask. You can find out more information at DesertCityChurch.com. We'll be in the Book of Acts today. Uh, I had a privilege last night to go on a date with my daughter Sophia. It was the Benchmark Elementary School uh, daddy daughter dance at the Community Center at DC Ranch. And so, We dressed up, I dressed up in a suit, and uh, grabbed some flowers and took her out, and we decided to go get uh, food before the dance. So we went to a restaurant. And we didn't just go to any restaurant, we went to Patsy Grimaldi's Pizza in DC Ranch. Has anyone been to Grimaldi's Pizza? It is my favorite pizza place in Phoenix. And we love pizza, my family loves pizza, we love Barrow's, we love Papa John. we'll eat anything, Little Caesars, but, on special occasions, we go to Grimaldi's. And so I, I took Sophia to Grimaldi's and our good friends Roddy Owens and his daughter Bella came with us and we had this double date. And we ordered the pepperoni uh, pizza with ricotta cheese, Kalamata olives on my half of the pizza. And she ordered a Shirley Temple and I had an iced tea. And uh, we sat there and we watched the sunset and watched the McDowell's mountains turn purple. Just this beautiful night and uh, we're kind of hanging out on the back patio. You got patio lighting. You have this wonderful Phoenix winter air. It was just this beautiful night, and my buddy Rowdy and I, who I kind of went to high school with, and um, we have all these memories. We were just reflecting on this restaurant is this place where special things happen. This is a place for special occasions, and we were thinking about how over the years, we'd come here for graduation parties and bridal, sh- you know, bridal parties, showers. I never go to shower. I don't go to bridal showers. <laughs> uh, no, like, bridal parties, wedding parties. Uh, all of these different uh, events that we have, uh, this place was nostalgic. When we go to Grimaldi's, it means the does are celebrating. And as we were, we were kind of considering that evening, a couple things came to my mind. Uh, the first is, many of you know, uh, one of my uh, New Year's resolutions was the Whole30 diet. Well, uh, a couple of weeks ago I shared how I was doing the Whole30 for the New Year, and then I found I had to make an exception for tacos. So, you know, if anyone offered me tacos, I'm doing Whole30 unless I was offered tacos. I found another exception last night. I'm doing Whole30 unless anyone offers me tacos or Grimaldi's pepperoni pizza with ricotta cheese. So. That, that diet's a marathon, not a sprint. You gotta put in some, you know, some rewards along the way. So uh, the other thing, though, that I, I realized is uh, there's something special about a place where people gather for a special occasion that creates this nostalgia. Like when you go to that place, you know, something, something meaningful is happening because of the people, because of the occasion, um, and, and the place becomes special. You might even say it almost becomes sacred ground, right? And you, you all have restaurants probably like that. You probably have places where, you know, you just go and you celebrate. Another restaurant for, our, for my family is Macayo's, right? This old Phoenix Mexican food restaurant. We go and we know if it's Macayo's, it's this time for celebration. And I want us to think about that today because we're in this series called Sacred Rhythms. And we've been talking about, for the new year, creating rhythms in our life where we encounter God. Rhythms that form us, that form us spiritually. And over the last few weeks, we've, we've talked about these different rhythms. We've talked about these inward rhythms, this time of reflection and prayer and fasting and abstaining and retreating. This inward rhythm, which is this time where we create space for God. We talked about uh, the outward rhythms of serving others. And as we serve others, we connect with Christ. There's this abiding that comes actually from doing life with one another in the way that we serve. Last week, my dad talked about the upward rhythms, the rhythm of prayer depending on God. And this, this God who's this creator of the universe who loves us so much, he allows us to come to him in prayer and he empowers us. And today I want to talk about the corporate rhythms, the rhythms of community, the rhythms that we have uh, as as a people. And the other rhythms were very much, uh, you could see community happening, but they were very much individual rhythms. Today I want to talk about the rhythms of a group of people that gather for a purpose. And there's this reminder that uh, there's some things in life that just cannot be experienced alone. And in fact, the experience is better when there's a community of people around it. There's some things in life that that it's just better when you're in a community of people when you're experiencing it. Like, I even think about, like, watching, like, comedies, some of my favorite movies. If I watch it by myself, they're funny, but there's this energy when you watch them with friends, and you have inside jokes, and you—all of a sudden, the the movie becomes so much—a much better experience. I think it's the same way with our spiritual lives. What we do here in this room, to gather, to connect— there's something that happens here in community that wouldn't happen by itself. And so I want to consider these corporate rhythms today and I want to look at Acts chapter 2 verses, uh, starting in verse 42. There's this picture into the early church not long after the time of the res- resurrection of Jesus. And it's recorded in this book called Acts or the Acts of the Apostles. And tradition tells us that this book was written by Luke, who also wrote the gospel, Luke. This is kind of a a sequel to his gospel. This is what happens when the body of Christ, after the resurrection, takes action in the world. And in Acts 2.42, he writes this about the church. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. So, right away, there's this devotion. Think about that. They devoted themselves to these actions. It wasn't just something that they did, it wasn't just something that fit into their schedule. It wasn't just something, this is something they devoted their life to. And here's what happens everyone was filled with awe. And many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. And all the believers were together and had everything in common. And selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This great passage, this view into this time, the church where there was community, there was peace, there was uh, great love for each other. Some people will read this passage and they say, this is this kind of utopian time in the church and there's no expectation that the church can be like that again. Um, this, isn't, uh, this isn't supposed to be what the church is today. Uh, this is just this, this season of, of when everything was okay. There's all sorts of speculation about what's going on here. But we know that the, per- the early church wasn't perfect. The early church had a lot of uh, tension, dysfunction, difficult relationships. This is why Paul's writing so many letters trying to fix these problems. But there is something interesting that is happening here as the church is living in community and taking care of each other. There's this, uh, they're, they're not far from the time of Pentecost when the, the, Spirit, the Holy Spirit comes and empowers the church. And so there's this, uh, this close proximity to this this moment in the church's history when the Holy Spirit comes and empowers them. And there's also this urgency because the early church was expecting Christ to return shortly. And so their their message and their way of life was lived with this, this urgency that every single moment mattered, every single relationship mattered, every single decision affected eternity. So you have this church that's very much so empowered by the Holy Spirit, and very much living in the urgency of Christ's return. And I think that this is something that's probably lacking in our church today, maybe for a number of reasons. I mean, sometimes when we start talking about like, the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, we're not sure where it's heading, right? And so that could be something that's uncomfortable. And sometimes when we talk about the urgency of Christ's return, That becomes kind of a confusing message, too, and we've seen how sometimes like date setting and expectation of God coming back can cause a lot of confusing messages in our culture. But imagine a church that is empowered by God's Spirit, living with the urgency that our life is short, the urgency that we have this moment here on Earth, and then it's eternity. You start to see some powerful things happening. It says that they were filled with awe and wonder. They were filled with awe and wonder, the apostles. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They were together, they were eating together. And I think that's an important detail. They spent time eating together, they spent time enjoying each other's company. Oftentimes, when Jesus talks about heaven, he uses this uh, illustration of a wedding or a great banquet. A great feast. They enjoyed each other's company. Even when they're on Whole30, they made exceptions. (laughs) And then they spent time in prayer. They spent time in prayer. These rhythms of community that start to emerge, I think, are so important for us today. As we continue through this passage, we see these things that they're doing, these inward and outward rhythms. But then it continues into verse 45. There's this, the rhythms of community until this. A rhythm of generosity. It says in verse 45 that they share with each other. They even sell their own possessions to make sure no one is in need. That sounds pretty radical. I try to like, sort through what does that mean in today's culture. Like, how does that even work? There's this radical generosity of these people living together. And I would continue to say that the defining characteristic of followers of Jesus are people who are generous. Our generous time, our resources. Our possessions. We follow this God who has this unbelievably generous heart, who sends his son into the world because he loves the world so much. As followers of Jesus we should be generous, as a community we should be generous. We find this generosity theme throughout the text, Old Testament, New Testament, time and time again we're told to be generous with those around us. As I was kind of preparing for this sermon um, I was looking at all these different passages where God's people are told to be generous. We go all the way back into the Torah, the first five books. What we find is this, uh, this command that's given to God's people. And remember that at this time period, there's this agrarian society. They're living off the land. Leviticus 19, Leviticus 23, Deuteronomy uh, 24. They all have this... Uh, this command from God, that as they are farming, as they reap the harvests of their land, God tells them, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest, but to leave them for the poor and the foreigner, for I am the Lord your God. This command where he says, when you're harvesting the, your own food, you're harvesting the things that you've worked hard for, to leave some there for those who are poor, for those who are uh, from the outside. And this is a way that they're able to be provided for. And this is hard for us to understand, too, because it's like, why would we've worked hard for this, we've invested in this, why would we be generous with that? And then God reminds them, because you were once foreigners, you were once slaves, and I took care of you. There's this understanding of taking care of those who are oppressed. Um, so I started to read through these different passages of scripture that deal with generosity. um, There's no way to ignore uh, even what's happening in our world today. What's happening with uh, different laws that are being passed. And as I kind of considered those, um, I wanted to know the facts on both sides. And uh, I'm sure everyone's heard the news this week of what's going on. And everyone probably has an opinion on it. There's some people in this room that might be outraged. There's some people in this room that might feel protected and safe. And as I was trying to consider, like, how do I even speak into this topic? And what is our role as a church when it comes to generosity? What is our role in understanding kind of what's happening and what's going on? And what's our role when there's people that I love that are on both sides of it, coming at it from different angles, and everyone has their own story? Um, I had this, reading through this, I, I just had this convicting question that I felt like God put on my own heart, considering um, my own generosity to the world? And this question, um, I felt like I can't even speak into a topic that is so passionate in, in our country without asking this question. It was this question that God put on my heart, and I felt like it was, uh, it was something that really messed with me. Um, and the question was this, when it comes to my generosity. I felt like God was saying, Jared, When was the last time you actually took care of a foreigner and a refugee? And I think uh, as I consider what's going on um, and all the opinions and trying to understand, um, I realized in my own life, I don't do anything to help. I don't do anything to help. And even before I could take sides and, and, and try to sort through the facts, I felt this conviction of God was saying, Exposing this thing in my life, this, this own confession. Every single day, there's people around me who are broken. Every single day, there's people around me who have had uh, things happen to them. And I'm not aware or sensitive to what's going on. We're called to be radically generous as people. And here's something that I think that happens. These calls to be generous for us as God's people our calls for us as God's people, as his church. And there's some people who will point fingers at others, whether it's governments, whether it's systems, and we're we're angry. We're angry at how they treat the world. But what I've found is that it's easier to cast blame on others than it is to uh, hold the mirror up to myself and ask, what am I doing about it? And so as we consider even this topic of what's going on in our own country, as your pastor, I have to admit, I don't do enough. God calls us to be radically generous with all of those in our community, radically generous with those in our world. And as a corporate rhythm, a gathering of people who come together and be generous, who are called the body of Christ, what's so unique about this the church the body of Christ transcends all of the ways that our world defines us the church is this instrument of reconciliation on earth where God is calling us no matter what our nationality is to love others and what's so beautiful is that we can be connected with other churches throughout the world And I think that's where we start to approach challenging issues of refugees. And my hope is that all of us would hold the mirror to our own face and ask that question. When was the last time I actually did something about it? And I think this is also the power of a corporate rhythm of generosity. When a church, out of love, out of grace, out of generosity, gets involved with big issues in this world. We don't hold everyone else to a standard that we're not willing to hold ourselves to. The church we have to be generous. Of course, this is a, a topic that's hot right now, but really it's everything that we do as a church in our life. There's people all around us who are broken, who are hurting, who need our help. This defining characteristic of the evidence of God in this early church in Acts chapter two. It says these people are living with this urgency that they're willing to do whatever they can to help others. The church has a very sacred calling and responsibility in this world. And it's a different standard. There's a rhythm of generosity. We keep reading through here. The rhythm of uh, generosity is followed by this rhythm of gathering. There's a rhythm of gathering. It says that they meet together, they meet in synagogues, and then they meet in houses. They're continually getting together and meeting. There's something significant that happens when a group of people come together around a common cause. As I talked about earlier, there's something that happens when we get together that can't happen when we're by ourselves. And so as we talk about what is the role of the church in the world, Um, We gather on Sunday morning, and that's part of it, but that's not all of it, but it's part of it. There is something significant that happens when we gather together on Sunday. There's something formative for our lives when we with one voice worship God. There's something formative for our lives when we open scripture together and we have a fresh word. There's something significant that happens when we we pray together. And we spend time praying for each other. I don't know how it is to follow Jesus without this community called the church. And the church sometimes is healthy and it's amazing to be a part of. And other times it's dysfunctional and it's tragic because the church is made up of humans and all of us are broken. But when we gather together, something significant happens. And I don't know what your experience is with church in the past. If you feel like, I don't need that for my spiritual life. If you feel like those people just are going to hurt me and harm me, so I don't want anything to do with it. My encouragement is to give it another chance, to join together, and then to create this consistent rhythm of gathering with these people. When we gather together, something happens that doesn't happen when we're apart. I have great concern, especially for, I think, a younger generation when it comes to the importance of church. I often hear that people, you know, they like Jesus, but they don't like all the baggage that comes with the church. Or they don't feel like they need the church in their life. Um, I had a buddy send me a Um, a message um, the other day. It was an article that I think kind of captures maybe the the ethos of the younger generation. Maybe not. But it's a quote by um, a young poet named Justin Bieber. (laughs) (laughs) Do we have the slide? He says this of the church. If we could pull it up or not. may not have it. I have it on my phone. All right. So Justin Bieber was, I was like... I'm not going to go to church. I don't know. I can't do his voice. I'm just going to read it. I was going to try this way. It says I had these church friends, and I was like, "You guys are cool. I like you guys, but I'm not going to church." Then it was the same thing of just because you went to a weird church before doesn't mean that it is. This is weird. Doesn't make you a Christian just by going to church. I think that going to church is fellowship. It's relationship. It's what we're here on earth to do. To have this connection that you feel there's no insecurities. I think that's where you need to be. Like I said, you don't need to go to church. You don't need to go to church to be a Christian. If you go to Taco Bell, that doesn't make you a taco. <laughs> and I read that, and first of all, I'm like, I feel like he's like contradicting himself a little bit in this. I don't know if he knows what he's talking about. Um, but like, you don't need to go to church to be a Christian. Like Going to church, you know, if you go to ta- Taco Bell, it doesn't make you taco. And I would say, this is a sacred community. The church is called the body of Christ. There's something very meaningful that that happens when you're a part of it. And I know no church is perfect. And I know that we're, we're not perfect as a new church. But there's this group of people that gather around this common cause. We're a part of something that's bigger than ourselves. And I would say that There's no other place that you can be a follower of Jesus if you can't connect with his body. There's a sacred rhythm of gathering together, declaring this gospel message that salvation is found in Jesus, that he's won this great victory on the cross, that atones for all of our brokenness and sin in this world. And we gather on Sunday and we declare that. And then we figure out what it means to live that out every single day. And I need you. And we need each other. And please don't ever compare church to Taco Bell. (laughs) (laughs) There's this gathering that happens. I love these words in Hebrews. It talks about gathering together. Hebrews ten twenty three through twenty five says, "Let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess, for he who promised is faithful." Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up in meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. There's also this faithful witness that takes place when we gather together as we declare this message. Let us spur one another on to good deeds. Let us encourage one another. Let us help each other become more like Jesus. Gatherings on Sunday, gathering throughout the week, are formational for our lives. Something important happens in this room. We try to keep our gatherings uh, simple. Uh, And uh, as we kind of put together Like what we feel like, the way that we connect with God on Sunday. Um, We walk through song, sharing, scripture, story, and sacrament. And we feel like right now as a church, uh, the reason that we do these things, one, they all start with S, so they're easy to remember. But as we gather together in, in song, and we lift up one voice together, and we worship God, when other, other, other times in your life do you sing together with people? There's something so sweet about that. There's something that's so powerful about that. Especially hearing like grown men sing together. There's something powerful that happens at worship when we come to the throne. Then there's this time of sharing. The time of sharing, whether it's us giving of our offering, whether it's, it's us uh, sharing our lives We take 10 minutes and we talk about life. We have coffee, we have donuts, we have bagels. And we do that because throughout Scripture, there are these passages that talk about how we do life with one another. We share with one another. We confess to one another. We pray for one another. There's over 30 one another passages. And our hope is that on church that you would experience that. You would encounter each other in a meaningful way. And then we have scripture. We have this text, this message from our God to us that we open up and read together. We believe that this is inspired by the Holy Spirit. And these words are more meaningful than any other words we receive. We want to do our best knowing the scripture, teaching the scripture, understanding it, wrestling with it. One of the things that I'm excited about is our Lent season. We're going to go through the Gospel of Luke together. We're going to spend eight weeks in Luke. Spending time in Scripture. And then a story. A story. To hear a word uh, on what the Scripture means in our life. To sit down and to listen to someone speak uh, I think is significant. And that leads us to the sacrament. Every week that we meet together, we take communion. And some of you are familiar with what that means. Some of you aren't. But what communion is, is this remembrance of what God has done in this world. It's a breaking open of bread, which represents the body of Christ that was broken on the cross. We believe that Christ is God incarnate. and He comes to this earth, and he reveals what God is like. But then he also looks at all the brokenness of the world, all the ways that we mess things up, and all the consequences that come from that. And this Jesus absorbs that on the cross. He breaks himself open. He takes on the punishment for all of those decisions. And so we feel like when we go to communion and we take this bread, we're remembered. We, re- we remember this love God has for us. A moment that we don't take for granted. It's this corporate confession. It's this corporate remembrance. And we take the juice that represents the blood of Christ. It's the blood that washes away our sin. The blood that was shed by Jesus. We take the bread and we take the juice as these symbols of God's work in our life. And when we do it together, communion and community. It's very formational for our lives. So we gather with these corporate rhythms, the rhythm of gathering. What happens here when we're together doesn't happen on our own. There's something significant. Something takes place when we are together that does not when we are apart. And the fourth, or the third rhythm that we find in this text is this rhythm of growth. It says that God adds to their number daily those who are being saved. God adds to our number daily those who are being born as babies, right? With all these new babies being born. Um, But it's interesting as we consider our mission, the story of salvation that we're a part of, the story that we receive but we also share with others, to live a life with urgency where we actually talk about it with our neighbors. One of uh, my friends and mentors the other day was talking about kind of the statistics of the city that we live in. He said, did you know that about 80% of the people that live on this side of town, in North Phoenix and Scottsdale, profess to have some sort of faith in God? But of that 80%, only about 40% uh, would be involved in practicing that faith, whether it's being involved in a church And then those who were actually sold out disciples of Christ is even smaller than that. Something like 18% of people would say they're followers of Jesus. And I I hear those numbers, and I'm like, oh, I I never, that doesn't make sense, because I I live in this bubble where I'm a pastor, and I hang out with Christians all day. And then I I go somewhere like the Phoenix Open, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. There's lots of people here that need Jesus. There there is an urgency to grow, not for the sake of us growing, but for the sake of us connecting people to our eternal Father. Our hope is that this rhythm of growth, this rhythm of sharing the gospel with others, is prioritized in this church. So this next month, before we get to the Gospel of Luke, we're going to do a series called The Art of Neighboring. What does it mean to love our neighbors? To share Christ with our neighbors. To use this word that can be very scary to some of us called evangelism. It's become kind of a lost art for the church. Do we live with this urgency that we're sharing Christ with others? And here in Acts they do that in a way that's very relational. They're doing life together. And the Lord adds their number daily. Those who are being saved. These corporate rhythms of generosity, putting on display love, of gathering together and of growing have to become priorities for us. To be a church that's empowered by the spirit of God, living with the urgency of eternity. When we commit to these rhythms of community, We create space for God to work. And so today as the band comes up and we close out this rhythm series, a couple things to consider. The question earlier that just wrecked me as I was considering, uh, maybe the question you need to think about was, is when is the last time I've been intentional about being generous to my neighbors, to those around me? Maybe the question you need to consider is, uh, how important is this gathering, this community, this body of Christ to me? Do I prioritize my life around it? Maybe the question to consider is, in what ways do I share my faith so that this kingdom that we're all a part of grows? I don't know where you're at today. But as we consider these questions of reflection, we commit to these corporate rhythms, we move to communion. One of the things that Tim's going to do as he leads us into communion is to lead us in a corporate reading of Scripture, a prayer for all of us. As we commit to our rhythms, inward, outward, upward, and corporate, my hope is that you would encounter God, that this space that we create would allow God to form us to be more like him. Let us pray, and then we will read. Lord, we thank you for this beautiful picture of your body, the church. These people that live life with the urgency of eternity. These people who are radically generous. These people that put on display your love, put on display your grace. People that enjoy being together, united around a cause, a mission. And it's so real to them, Lord, that they they share it with everyone they come in contact with. Today, Lord, as we gather this corporate rhythm, this community rhythm, we create space for your presence. Lord, speak to us now. Stir our hearts. Transform us to be more like you. As we move to communion, Lord, Lord, Remind us the weight of your sacrifice. Let us not take these gatherings for granted. And transform us to be a people of reconciliation here and now.